0: My name is Jess Clark and I'm a researcher in the history of gender, female enterprise, and modern Britain. Here at the Bodleian, I've been involved in a project called Beauty Brokers, which charts the history of Britain's early beauty and grooming industry in the 19th and 20th centuries. The Bodleian is home to the John Johnson Collection, an incredible trove of printed ephemera and material objects from a range of industries, but also from the beauty business. The Bodleian also houses a comprehensive collection of Victorian and Edwardian beauty manuals, a popular genre at the fin de siècle, aimed at helping readers to enhance their health and appearance. In my research, I rely on sources like the John Johnson collection to show how beauty tradesmen and women encourage the consumption of beauty goods, despite the fact that many Victorians consider them disreputable or dangerous. A key discovery is the incredible breadth of beauty providers operating in this period, despite many Victorians' insistence that they didn't use beauty products. The John Johnson Collection has advertisements and handbills for a number of goods, from face powder, to dentifrice, to hair tonic, to rouge. This marks an important revision of our ideas about beauty in the 19th century. Until now, we believed Victorian sources when they claimed they didn't engage in extensive grooming practices. However, the range of commercial goods available suggests otherwise. The Victorians were just very good at obscuring their beautifying activities and adopted a natural look when enhancing their appearance. We're excited about this object as it highlights the pervasiveness of beauty practices amongst a broad range of consumers, even celebrated literary figures. This dressing case belonged to Mary Shelley, daughter of Mary Wollstonecraft and renowned author of Frankenstein. It highlights the importance of grooming in people's everyday lives, in that elite and middling men and women wouldn't dream of traveling without their collection of various accoutrements and bottles, and of course, of looking glass. These bottles were refillable and could hold scent, face powder, or hair washes. The project shows that marketing and advertising influence conceptions of beauty much earlier than we previously realized. As savvy modern consumers, we're all attuned to marketing tactics that encourage us to buy the latest volumizing spray or face mask. But this isn't just a recent development. And since the Victorian period, traders have developed subtle strategies to encourage consumption of beauty goods. This was especially important in the 19th century as many goods were considered disreputable or unsuitable for women especially. So traders did things like place stylized images of natural beauties besides descriptions of their goods, implying to readers that if they bought these products, they too could attain this level of beauty. The John Johnson collection foregrounds these early marketing initiatives, revealing that traders actively work to revise public attitudes towards their goods and wares. The project has also thrown new light on the ubiquity of beauty and grooming practices in the Victorian period, despite resounding criticism of artificial beauty aids like cosmetics and false hair. It offers many future avenues of research into the role of self-fashioning in modern British history. It suggests that we need to take seriously the role of physical appearance in determining Victorian consumer practices, but also in Victorian understandings of selfhood and the self.